0: Talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai best in new inventory, all with great warranties, by the way. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee, which means so much, and a uh, great uh, service department with fabulous technicians that back it all up. It's all at Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, got here this morning, uh, left at oh, I don't know, about 8.30. I think I walked into the room here at about 20 or 12, something like that. Uh, this is not what Micah Shrewsbury was, was hoping for, and the reason is the one of the reasons they wanted to go last night, and, again, you couldn't go last night for obvious reasons. But as he and I said this morning, he says, you know, it tightens up. The plan as to what they wanted to do to get ready, uh, and that's why uh, you know they wanted to go. They you know they were scheduled to practice. For example, this morning they got here. Um, uh, They did get here in time to go directly to the arena to practice. What they had was they had a period of time in the arena, I think it was about an hour, and then there was a secondary area they wanted to go to to then do a little bit more work. So they had to go directly from the airport to the arena. Uh, Furman practiced before them. The irony is when I was checking in, Furman was already – they had just come back from the arena. So they probably got in most of their time there. Uh, But, again, it wasn't like, okay, everybody, let's go, let's check in, let's settle in, let's get a meal, let's get up on Wednesday morning, let's have breakfast, now let's go over to the arena, let's do our deal at the arena, let's go to the secondary one and get the rest of the practice in. And then you settle in, you play at 11 o'clock or 11.30 in the morning, which is what they're going to do. Uh, But uh, that is... Um, they couldn't do that because of the weather last night they couldn't get the plane from Charleston in that that was the issue and so they left this morning and in uh, leaving this morning that had to be more it condensed but you know these they're young people they're fine they'll handle it that's not a um, that's not a uh, a big deal uh, in the end, I mean, it's a big deal um, when it comes to, uh, you know, just how you wanted to prepare and you had a way of doing it. You had it all thought out. You're know, face a team in Furman tomorrow's very good. Very good basketball team. I know Ken Palm has it a two to four point game. Okay. Um, and that's, um, and I'm not surprised by that. They are, for example, a, um, a team that got to their conference championship game last year, and they're very, very good. Very good. Uh, and Mike Bothwell is a really good player. Slauson is a very good player. Is a team that relies heavily on um, uh, the two pointer. They are more of a two point team. They're only like 29.5% when it comes to the three point shot. We all know what the value, of course, of what that three point shot means. Uh, You know, we talk about that over and over again what it means. And uh, in some ways, Penn State lured Butler into shooting more threes. I think that they wanted to, and the uh, and that's what um, uh, they. I mean, that's what they ended up doing. I mean, they ended up luring them into that. Uh, because what happens, you hit a few threes, and a team that's making twos all the time, suddenly they feel compelled that they have to start making a couple of threes to keep pace. And they did that to Butler. Will that be the case tomorrow? We'll find out. But Furman's very good. It's an interesting opening test for Penn State against a veteran team. Penn State's a veteran team. I mean, Penn State is not a young basketball team, they are not. You've got a fifth-year player in Pickett, a fifth-year player in Cam Winter, a fifth-year player Miles Dredd, a fourth-year player in Seth Lundy, a fifth-year player in and Andrew Funk. Uh, now, Dorsey may be a junior, but he's a, he is a young junior. He doesn't have a lot of, um, uh, of game experience. But that was something where I came out of it, uh, the game on Monday night, Uh, feeling a lot better because i wanted to see uh i wanted to see what it was going to be uh how would the how would Kevin jai young player true freshman and caleb dorsey jr but not a lot of experience how would they handle manny bates and they did a really good job on manny bates now hunter dickinson trace jackson davis Of Indiana, Cliff Amore of Rutgers. Dickinson's with Michigan. Zach Eady of Purdue. Are they better players than Manny Bates? Yes. But there isn't a dramatic gap between a Manny Bates and that. Manny Bates would be a good big man in the Big Ten. Would he be the best? No. But would he be a good big man in the Big Ten? Yes. So he ends up with 16 and 12. 16 points, 12 rebounds. All right. Six of those points were on jump shots, three of them, okay? And when you take Dorsey and Jai and combine them, they ended up with 13 points and 11 boards. So they were three points off of Bates, and they were one rebound off. That's and, and did not get in foul trouble. And that's why I walked out of the Jordan Center uh, on – um just feeling a lot better about what I saw on Monday night because of that. And firm as a team, that you know they they get the vast majority of their points they do get from from twos. So we'll see how it we'll see how she plays out tomorrow uh, when they. play over at TD Arena and 11 11.30 st- uh, start tomorrow. That's the tip-off. We're on at 11 and yes, we will be doing the show when the game is over. And the broadcast should be over about 2 o'clock. I'll get back to the hotel and we'll have the show on tomorrow including our pick segment and so forth. Today we have Neil Kulong on the show to talk about the NFL and we also have Chris Carlin the voice of Rutgers on the show today. And then in the next half hour, I want to get into the UCLA story because tomorrow is the day that the California Board of Regents will – it appears this is going to be the final decision. Uh, So this appears to be that line in the sand moment, and we're going to talk about uh, uh, where that stands and also about that survey. UCLA did survey their student-athletes with their opinions on the move to the Big Ten. There are 600 student-athletes at UCLA. Of the 600, 111 responded to the survey. I'm not surprised at that, because there are several layers to this. One, there are several student athletes at ucla among the 600 that won't be there in 2024 so why would they respond to the survey then you have others who are either getting ready for competition getting ready for practice watching video going to class maybe taking midterms whatever it may be writing a paper they're busy they're busy but we'll talk about that survey and what came out of it in a few moments as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Adams and one. Oh, what a beautiful pass. And again, the middle of the floor, that middle third, has been really good for Kansas. But Kansas was struggling to score through most of this second half. And then the last three minutes, we've seen a different Kansas team good games last night. Uh, Michigan State in double overtime beat Kentucky. Kansas beat Duke by five. The two games in Indianapolis last night. And you have Bucknell women tonight, Matt? I do. Home opener for them tonight. Looking for W number one on the year. Had a tough 0-2 start against St. Joe's and Virginia Tech. Played well. and Or, or Virginia then played well, but then uh, they got... Uh, fraley dickinson tonight at six all right six o'clock yeah all right uh we'll go with uh neil Kulong in the uh, 406 half hour and then uh, chris carlin in the final half hour if that's okay with you we'll do that works for me all right so let's get to this uh, to the ucla story for a moment uh, which has been intriguing and my hope is the intrigue ends tomorrow the ucla athletic department did survey 600 of their student athletes only 111 responded to the survey i talked about this somewhat yesterday but just to reiterate what's in here and the bottom line is remember some ucla athletes they're not going to be there in 2024 so why would they bother responding to it some are going, you know, they have class, they got to write papers, they have projects, they've got to get ready for practice, they've got games. I mean, so I don't blame them for not, you know, bringing it back in mass. UCLA, the reason they want to do this is quite simple it is about the money. Uh, And of the 111 that sent back their surveys, 80 were women and 31 were men. Only 42 total athletes in men's and women's sports that would be heavily impacted by the move of the Big Ten actually answered the survey. One from men's basketball, no baseball players, four football players, and two men's soccer players. 35% of the 111 respondents thought the Big Ten move was a good idea. But only 7% said it was a bad idea. The other 58% had either no opinion or needed more information. So 35% said great move, 7% said bad move, and 58% said, look, no opinion or more info. Um, There is a concern about travel, uh, and there's another concern about Missed classes, 77% said travel. Yep, 66% said missed classes. Uh, and you already have UCLA coaches. They are already starting with their recruiting pitches right now. And in the recruiting pitches, they are telling everybody, look, he says, you get to play in the Big Ten. So if you want to know how athletes are going to vote about this, this is – 600 student-athletes, 111 respond to the survey. You're not going to need a survey when it comes to recruiting. By saying yes, they already voted yes. We all know what the Tech, well, I shouldn't say we all know. I, you know, I think hardly anybody knows what the Texas situation was with the Big 12. But in the Big 12, Texas got a huge chunk of their media rights about 40% went to Texas USC and UCLA were not looking for that but Bill Moose who was then the athletic director of Washington State is the one that got everybody to go along with the idea that everybody should get an equal cut and USC and UCLA were not enamored with that because A, they were in the Los Angeles market, and B because being from the state of California, their tax burdens are higher. And they have sat there and USC's done fine. UCLA, though, is in a world of hurt when it comes to their finances. They're anywhere from one hundred and four to one hundred and eleven million in the red but that's not unusual in the Pac-12 because when you look at UCLA they lost 65 million alone in 2021 but Oregon State ran a deficit of 35 million in 2021 and Oregon like Oregon oh Oregon 65 million in the red in 2021 if this move was just about men's basketball and football I could see the Pac-12 putting up a really good fight to keep them. But there's a reality to this. This is not just about football and men's basketball. Oh, yeah, it's a football move because of the TV contract and then men's basketball secondary. But if you're Martin Jarman, who is the athletic director at UCLA, I'm looking at all my other sports and I'm asking myself, how do I stay afloat? How do I do this? There's been really good reporting on this from the West Coast, from John Wilner and John Canzano. But what they have missed have been a couple of elements that I would expect them to miss. Because as Pac-12 writers, they they would not have a better handle on how the Big Ten operates and does business. So not once in their articles have they brought up Big Ten football and men's basketball revenue sharing. Uh, that happens, and UCLA would actually be a beneficiary of revenue sharing. USC probably not because their attendance at the Coliseum is better. But for the most part, UCLA would benefit from revenue sharing because their attendance at the Rose Bowl has not been great now you would expect a game with penn state to sell out a game with michigan to sell out a game with ohio state to sell out and their game this weekend with usc is a sellout the other games when rutgers maryland minnesota whomever goes out there it's not going to sell out and that's where revenue sharing is going to benefit them we'll talk about that next half hour Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Roots 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Port Key, best in new inventory with great warranties and great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee and a service department that backs all of it up. All at Sunbury Motors 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15. Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. All right. uh, When it comes to the money part of it. UCLA has in their paperwork with the California border regions did say um, that they are looking at maybe $10 million? that they'll have to pay for travel, and that there's a possibility that they will... Um, Uh, that they will travel with uh, USC to some games. Now, this does go back, by the way, to what I've talked about many times, and that is I think you need to consider block scheduling. And in block scheduling, that would mean you take your – men's soccer program, women's soccer program women's volleyball program and your cross country team, I'm trying to think of sports the USC and UCLA have and you fly them all on one plane and you have them play out there that weekend uh, that way it's one plane one hotel and you can take care of it, same thing with them coming east You have them come east. Maybe they come together. They come together great. That's fine. And suddenly USC and UCLA are playing Rutgers, Maryland. Same thing, block scheduling. Put all the teams on a plane, fly them east. While one's playing Rutgers, the other one's playing Maryland. And then flip it, vice versa. But they'll be able to make up for this. And I know a lot of people, the Pac-12 is trying very hard to tell everybody that the finances are not going to work out for UCLA. But they will. It's just, and the math gets to be really fuzzy after a while. Uh, But you know the TV contract is going to be fine. And the TV contract is guaranteed money. There are some other elements that have to be taken into account here. You know, when you lose $65 million in 2021, oh, and by the way, Oregon loses $65 million. Oh, and by the way, Oregon State loses 35000000 million. You've got a problem here. Um, you know, one of the remaining 10 Pac-12 athletic directors said, quote, every one of us would have at least strongly considered it. If this is a football-basketball pure move here, maybe the Pac-12 could stave it off. But this is a move that, in the end, if you're Martin Jarman, it's not just the Big Ten in football and basketball. That's where you're going to get your revenue. Got it. But this is your way of keeping everybody. Your responsibility as the athletic director is not just to your football and men's basketball program. Your responsibility is to all the other programs. You want to be able to give them the opportunity to compete, give them a fighting chance to win, and give them the resources to do it, and by the way, keep everybody on scholarship. In one form or another, whether it's a quarter, a half, or a full, one way or another, keep everybody on scholarship. And his move to the Big Ten, no offense, is a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. So how do you make up for the 10 million in travel? I think it is an increase of six million over their previous, I think it's five and a half million dollar increase over their travel currently in the uh Pac 12. Okay. Uh and this is where the TV contract comes in, but there are there are other elements that come into play here that a lot of people don't talk about. The Big Ten in nineteen fifty five put in revenue sharing. Okay. And it used to be half the gate. It used to be half. Now I think it's thirty five percent of the gate with a maximum of one million and a floor of three hundred thousand. I think those are the numbers. I think it's max one million and a floor of three hundred thousand which means that Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State put in the maximum every year. So in this particular year, it would be $5 million. Last year, it would have been 4000000 million. million. You're like, well, why be, would be a million less? Well, you only played four conference home games last year. That's why. Others don't get to that point. So in the haves and the have-nots, there are those at the bottom rung of the ladder on football attendance that are not paying the full number. They're not paying a million. And it's not, 30, it's not 35% of a sellout. It's 35% of, uh, of what you bring in. It's because Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State all have stadiums over 100,000. They're maxing out their number. Indiana's not maxing out its number. Illinois's not maxing out its number. Purdue's not maxing out its number. Even Wisconsin, they'll sell out, but because it's an 80,000-seat stadium, they're not going to get to the 4 million. They're not going to. And but they'll, And they'll come out, and the teams at the top actually come out losers on this. UCLA, unless it's Penn State playing there, will not sell out. Unless it's Ohio State playing there, they're not going to sell out. Unless it's Michigan playing there, they're not going to sell out. And unless it's USC playing there, they're not going to sell out. So when UCLA is playing Maryland, Rutgers, uh, Illinois, Purdue, they're not going to sell out the Rose Bowl. They're going to be beneficiaries on the plus side of revenue sharing on the and, if, and uh, to the tune of maybe one and a half to two million dollars. So that does cut in a little bit to that five and a half million. That's never brought up in any article. Basketball, the top out number I think is sixty nine thousand. And the bottom number is 27000 I think those are the two numbers. And, you know, if, pa- if Pat's listening, or even Sandy, I mean, because I know Sandy listens to this show, uh, just text me and let me know if my numbers are right. Those are the numbers I've always worked with. But it's an element that nobody in the media ever talks about. The Big Ten has had this in place since 1955, and it used to be half the gate, now it's thirty five percent up to a maximum of a million dollars. So it's thirty-five percent up to a maximum of a million. And I think it's the same thing in men's basketball. It's like thirty-five percent up to a max of sixty nine thousand. And the floor is three hundred thousand in football, and the floor in men's basketball is twenty seven thousand. So there are winners and losers in the conference when it comes to revenue sharing. UCLA in all likelihood would be a winner. They would come out on the plus side maybe to the tune of a million and a half to two million on the plus side of revenue sharing, which would then cut into their travel expenses. Now let's get to the two other elements that are also rarely discussed. One is discussed somewhat, and that's the college football playoff. I still firmly believe that the SEC and the Big Ten are going to get more college football playoff money than the Big 12, the ACC, or what's left of the Pac-10. And again, USC, UCLA would be beneficiaries of that. Then there is the NCAA basketball tournament, the men's tournament. The Big 10 can get usually six, seven, maybe even on a great year, eight into the tournament. But with USC and UCLA now a part of the mix, and they are usually really good, the Big Ten could get anywhere. And Mike DeCourcy, I'll use Mike's numbers. Mike DeCourcy of Sporting News said the Big Ten could potentially get between 8 to 11 schools into the NCAA men's basketball tournament, which brings with it additional units, which brings with it additional revenue in the revenue-sharing model. There's a lot of elements that go into Big Ten revenue distribution, and it's not just the TV contract. And I do not, in any way, shape, or form, blame the two West Coast writers, John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News, and John Calzano, who have done brilliant work on this, because they're not—they don't know how the Big Ten works. Why would they? They cover the Pac-12. So they don't, they don't, they don't know how the Big Ten works on the revenue sharing scale, and this is where some of that money on travel can be made up for along the way. And the other part too is that when you read what they put into the California Board of Regents and what UCLA sent in, you can tell in there they don't want other schools to go in with them. Why? If you read it. If other schools go in, the word dilution is used there, diluted. That tells you right now, like, hey, look, there's 16 of us. We don't really want to go past 16 because we're all we're going to get a, a smaller cut. It's written in there in black and white. It's right there. So this will come to a head tomorrow. Now, will there be some sort of penalty that they have to pay to do this? And I don't mean, and I do not mean a penalty in terms of, uh, like, grant of rights. No. Uh, Something in there where a stipend has to be sent Cal's way. Uh, Again, I am of the opinion that Martin Jarman should go there and look at everybody. He said, look, we will play Cal every year in football in a non-conference game. We will play Cal in a non-conference men's basketball game every year. In fact, we're going to play Cal in every sport every year in non-conference which will help out, we feel, the revenue at Cal by playing the games. To me, that is what I would say to them if I was sitting in the room with them. Whether they would go for it or not, don't know, but I, I would offer as a way of using competition to get money into the coffers. All right, we'll take a break. Come back more in a moment. Neil Kulong today, Chris Carlin, the voice of Rutgers today, on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult, well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good Sunbury Motors your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane 630 to 6 Monday through Friday. Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North Fourth Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors Kia, routes eleven and fifteen in Hummels Wharf. We take the <clears throat> out of auto repair. So that'll be tomorrow. I at least wanted to go through it one more time about where it stands. And we'll see what uh, the California Board of Regents, what they want to do. Uh, most think they will do nothing. They will, you know, they'll probably put out a statement that they're against it, but, you know, they don't want to hold back UCLA, whatever. Uh, now, whether there's any financial resolution uh, dealing with Cal, I don't know. But at least wanted to talk about it one more time uh, one note uh the we we know that Penn State field hockeys in the national semifinals Moret, Curtis's team winning twice over the weekend beating Louisville and Albany so they're in the national semifinals the women's soccer team won their open over Quinnipiac and now they've got West Virginia Friday at Jeffrey Field Something that is, it's a little, uh, I don't think people realize this, the opening game at 2 o'clock on Friday is Xavier against Virginia. So with all due respect, obviously, to the fine uh, Xavier student-athletes, after everything that's happened at Virginia... And they are going to play. By the way, Virginia is not playing football this week, and they canceled the game with Coastal Carolina. And then we'll see what they want to do with Virginia Tech next week. But the Virginia women's soccer team is at Penn State on Friday to play Xavier too. And obviously, the shock that they've gone through. And it you you read now the articles about what hap, what they're piecing together what happened. It sounded like he was targeting people. Awful. Just awful. Oh. Goodness gracious. All right. Uh last night uh in the snow. Did you happen to see the video they put out? I did. It was pretty epic. Uh, now I, I want to point out the defense practice inside the entire time, and the vast majority of the time the offense practice inside. But there were two periods where James brought them outside, and it wasn't windy, which was really it was, it was great. Wayne Sebastianelli and I were standing out there last night, and you know, the snow's coming down. it looks incredible. They're out there in, in the snow, you know, practicing. And again, they only did a couple periods out there. Most of it was done inside. But there was no wind, and it couldn't have been any nicer. You know, considering it was snowing, it couldn't have been any nicer. It was uh, quite the scene. It was quite the scene last night. Uh, And I looked over at, you know, at Christian Veyer, and I said to him, I said, back in your natural habitat, huh? He goes, yeah, this is great. (laughs) And Sean looks over. He says, "Steve, he says, you're right. His natural habitat." He says, "I already did this once at Michigan State." He says, "I don't know." <laughs> and Sean threw for over three hundred in that game, by the way, in the snow last year. But <laughs> I think Brian will quite... never forget that one either. No, my goodness. <laughs> the poor guy. The poor guy was by the heater last year, and of course, the players want the heater. But, you know, I give him credit. He got through that pretty well. I mean, that's something where you worry about someone getting sick. I remember Penn State playing Indiana in 2002, and the temperature was 27 degrees, and they were redoing the Indiana press box, which meant they were redoing the broadcast booth, too. So we were in a plywood box outside the press box. Oof. And. Poor Roger Corey got sick. I mean like really sick. It was like, holy mackerel. I mean Jack and I were fine, but Roger really I mean it was wow, it was that was that was a tough one. That was a tough one. Um not to I mean again we were fine, but you know I felt awful for Roger. And Roger was sick for I'm talking about like for he was like six weeks. Well, fortunately, that's not the case now. It's going to be cold on Saturday, but not like, not like that, not like that. Um, I think it's going to be Saturday, Rutgers. I think it's in the mid to lower 30s, something like that. Um, you know, it's usually a little warmer than State College, usually. Um, I'll just check just to see. High, high 42 on Saturday, but that's, again, it's a 3.30 game. And we got Chris Carlin coming up on the show. Uh, let's see. Kickoff 3.30 will be about 40 degrees. And second half gets down to 34, and at the end of the game right around 32. And the wind's not bad. The wind won't be bad. The wind early in the game actually will be. It'll be windy early in the game. Second half, not so much. Okay, that part I didn't notice till now. But, you know, typical November day. And, and how about down to... there in Charleston right now? Um, It's 55 in overcast. Okay, not bad. Uh, I mean, yeah. Better than it's here. <laughs> right. No, it's 55 and overcast. We didn't get here. I mean, we had to leave this morning, so we didn't get here. I really have, except for it being at the airport and then walking from the bus to check in, I have not been outside. I've I've been in the room working since, uh, since 1230. So I'll get a chance to go out tonight. Neil, uh, Neil Kulong, next half hour. Chris Carlin, final half hour. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK.